Welcome back to Camden Cash, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. I am your host, Mark Brown. We're coming out of hibernation after a winter where the Orioles for a while did a whole lot of nothing. And uh, just like they're waking up, so are we now. It is February the 25th, 2014 on the evening of our recording this. And I am joined by my Camden Chat partner in crime, Stacy Folkemer. I almost said long. I'm sorry, Stacy. That's all right. I, I forgot it had changed. So it's Stacy and I have been talking, and it's almost like we're rooting for a different team than the last time we talked to you. Because who are these guys who are like actually signing players? It's really weird. It is very strange, and it's something that we're not used to because last year they didn't do this when, and that's when we thought that they would because they were coming off of you know their big postseason appearance, and they just sat there, and that's what I thought we were having more of this year. It sure felt like it because. We had the, the obligatory, for like every free agent except for Masahiro Tanaka, it was, oh, the Orioles are interested in blah, 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 free agent. Like, it didn't matter who, but if, if they were out there, okay, not Robinson Cano either, but other than those guys, pretty much, uh, the Orioles, they would be reported by some national reporter or another, be like, oh, the Orioles are interested in blah, 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 the Orioles are going hard after blah, 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 and it was just months and months of that. I mean, like November, December, January of that. And it kept amounting to absolutely nothing, just nothing like like there was nothing to any of it. And it was just extremely frustrating to hear, well, the Orioles really like blah, blah, blah. And then they're not going to pay enough money. And meanwhile, you've got guys like Scott Feldman and Nate McClough. They're signing deals that are not too bad, not too overpriced as far as this market is concerned with other teams. And it's like. At this point, it felt like, okay, they're not even going to keep the players that were good and we liked, and it's just going to be this festival of failure. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Ubaldo Jimenez. His price has dropped because it turns out there's not many suitors anymore. Andrew Duquette makes the deal. And then it's like, okay, well, we gave up the first-round draft pick. Our next pick is the second-round pick. Who cares about a second-round pick? Hey, Nelson Cruz is still sitting out there. Okay, let's get Nelson Cruz. And now now the Orioles have Nelson Cruz. It's just, it's it's really weird. I mean, you know, and, and Stacy and I were among the people who were complaining, why are the Orioles not spending money? Because it was very, 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 very frustrating that they traded Jim Johnson, for instance, to say, okay, we need this money, and then they did nothing with it for three months. Very frustrating. was not impressed with that at all. Yeah, it's most of the off season, I, I I would get so angry thinking about how not angry is not the right word, but frustrated. There was certainly a lot of times where we said to one another, "I hate the Orioles," and we really well, felt yes, but I say that then. like seven hundred times a week. It feels like you say it a lot. It's true. It We'd, did. It we'd, it felt like you know Ryan Webb and David Lowe were going to be the big off season pickups, and when they are the big off season pickups, you're just like, what is this team doing? So I, I for one, and I know Mark, you are too, very happy about the direction the team has taken in the last week or so. Like it's exciting, and I don't know if that means I'm stupid because once again, you know, the projection systems are out there. I mean, this was before they signed Jimenez and Cruz, but I'm pretty sure the the uh, the mighty Pakota projection said they were going to win 75 games. Of course, now this is the same system that said they would win 71 games in 2012, and I believe it projected 74 last year. So I think it's fair to say that thing just has no idea why the Dan Duquette Orioles are successful. Which is fair, because honestly, I watch every one of their games, and I don't entirely know why they're successful, but they are. Sometimes it just seems like there's no possible way this can work, and then it keeps working. Well, to be fair, um, last year they had... I felt last year, and I know that like Pakoda doesn't agree with us, and some other projection systems don't agree with us, but I think that last year they were really playing more to their true talent level than in 2012. There was no, there were no miracles. There were, you know, there was, there were very few moments of magic. There were some, but and they then they won 85 games, which is not enough for the playoffs, but it's enough to be close. Right. I mean, think and, about think about two years before right now. How exciting would 85 wins sound? before the 2012 season. That would have been been over the moon for that. Right. And so, I mean, compared to 92, 93, it's not great, but it's good. And I think that 
I don't know what it is. Like you said, I don't know what it is that makes them rank so low in the projection systems, but I know that they had a good offense last year. Not great. They had holes. Certainly getting on base was a bit of a challenge for a number of them. And then a couple of players like Mark Kakis and Wieters had disappointing years, but they still, even with that had a good offense and the pitching was gross. And I think that, that's what they are kind of going into this year with, you know, they signed him and as to try and to make that better, they have probably some point this year, Gossman to make that better. So I don't, I don't understand the projection systems. Maybe even ways. Dylan Bundy, if his freak superhuman recovery system, like gets him back on his one year anniversary date of like, he's talking about wanting to do, I don't know. Maybe he's crazy, uh, but that seems, I'm to be... not going to count on that. Seems to be what he thinks right now. Oh, that would be nice, you know. He would be a nice, uh, nice uh, fresh arm down the stretch to have. That's for sure. And then we haven't even mentioned their last, uh, their last new acquisition. And I'm not entirely sure how to say his first name, but he's uh, Sukmin Yoon. I don't know, Suck. I, I don't want to say Suck unless it's really, really that. But do you know? You should go find this. I think it was Dan Connolly. There is like he posted on Twitter. There is on YouTube like a Korean pronunciation channel. Oh. And they put one up for him. Wow. So um, you should go find it. But that's I think Sukmin Yoon was pretty much how us Americans wind up saying. Because they it. sent a phonetic thing out in the press release, and it was like S Y U C K, and I couldn't figure out what that was supposed to be. Does that mean it's yuck? But that doesn't look like. Like, where does oh, yeah, the Y like, come in there? I, I guess I'm just not Korean enough. Yeah, that's why we're Americans. So we'll just say, like, suk, suk, I think. And I think they will just have to deal with it because well, that's our accents. Yeah. <laughs> so Yoon, uh, he, he's in the picture, although they've got the ability to option him to Norfolk for just this year only. And I feel like that will be, they'll, I'm using air quotes here, to help him acclimate to the United States. But really it'll be because for two months there's just going to be so many guys in both the rotation and the bullpen, they won't have room for him right away. And if he's good, then they'll find a way to get him in there. But they have some time to figure out what he is before they uh, have to make a decision on him, which is good. Yeah, and you know, before they signed Jimenez, he was kind of a, a shot for the fifth spot in the rotation. But now, no, sorry, Yoon. Um, but I think that I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because we heard about him so much in the off season, but we never really heard about what he is capable of, you know, fourth, fourth starter, fifth starter reliever kind of thing. But we've never, you know, he's not like a free agent coming from another team where we can have some kind of right. We have no idea how he's going to do against major league competition. Just that he, he turned down more money in Korea, come over here and try and compete against major leaguers. So, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a lot more, but he could have gotten more in Korea, he said. You know, maybe he would have gotten like the equivalent of a million more dollars if he stayed over there, but he wanted to. He always wanted to be a Major League Baseball player, so. Well, good. I hope that he makes it. Yeah, that would uh, that would really be exciting because, hey, the more good players the Orioles have, the better off we all are as fans of the Orioles. There's just so much to be excited about. It's really awesome. I, we I, haven't I, even I, talked about Nelson Cruz. I know we haven't. Nelson Cruz. I mean, okay. So I don't think they. So so the 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 Masson cameras literally cut off because they had some technical difficulties in the press conference. But I don't think they asked him about biogenesis at all. I don't know if the uh, the Orioles PR was sternly like no questions about biogenesis and you know crossing their arms and shaking their heads or. If they just decided it would be tactless to ask or what? I mean, maybe in kind of like your opening press conference, that's not the way you want to go. I mean, I don't know. Um, we're not invited to those things. But I think that, you know, this is kind of the welcome to Baltimore. And the beat writers probably didn't want to be like, welcome to Baltimore. Now, tell us about how you're a cheater. Well, <laughs> so, I, mean, I felt like they might at least mention it obliquely like, OK, coming off your suspension, do you feel like you have something to prove? Right. They did ask him if he feels like he had something to prove, but they didn't say anything about biogenesis in particular. Well, speaking of uh, Nelson Cruz and biogenesis, um, anyone who's listening who has not read the thing that um, 
Christopher Fitz from Lone Star Ball wrote for us. He gave a very good explanation of what happened with the PEDs for Nelson Cruz. I had never, you know, there were so many guys getting suspended left and right last year that I didn't know the individual stories for all of them, obviously. Um, but, and obviously, like you said, not like a, like he said, not to excuse PED use, but, you know, kind of if you, if you take the whole player into account, you take everything into account, you can understand certain things and so i mean it's a really good read if you haven't read it it just made me think of it so go check it out i will make sure to link that in our post about this podcast so uh check it out and it is it is a very good read uh lone star ball is the sb nation rangers blog and the guy who wrote that article for us is basically our equivalent writer over there and you know he's as much of a rangers fan as we are orioles fans and uh he's watched Cruz for quite a while yeah, and that that post, I know a lot of people are kind of and were not kind of not I don't want to say anti-Cruz, but a lot of people, most people, myself included, wanted Morales, Kendrys Morales, more than Cruz. Um, and I think that depending on what Morales ends up signing for, I might still have wanted him. But reading that thing from uh from Christopher really made me like Cruz and. You know, he was a ranger for how many? His whole career until now. Right, eight and years so, of baseball in Texas you know, before now. They had, yeah, they had a lot of time to learn to appreciate him, and so it was nice to be able to see him through those eyes instead of just through a projection system or people being annoyed because he was suspended suspended for biogenesis and stuff like that. Right. So he's coming off the 50 game suspension. He played in 109 games in 2013, and he still hit 27 home runs in 109 games, which is not not a not a Chris Davis like pace, but it's pretty nice. Yeah, and he was really on uh, pace for his best season, and you know, kind of the cynics are like, well, no wonder he was getting suspended for using drugs. Well, yeah, but I mean, but... I, maybe it's naive, but I feel like those biogenesis guys were probably not on stuff in 2013. Like, you would have That's to be the I... biggest idiot <laughs> or extremely extremely confident. Knowing that biogenesis cloud is swirling to still be on right. stuff. Right. That's true. So I feel like there's a reason it's not crazy to think his, even if you think, okay, his numbers were inflated previous to that, which of course, you know, it's never entirely clear how much PEDs mm-hmm. are actually enhancing. I, I, I'm not a total doubter on that, but the amount, you know, we don't know the amount they help, but I think it's not crazy to think, well, maybe he did it more or less, you know, that was the Nelson Cruz without anything in 2013. And that was still a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. And of course, one reason to kind of dread him when they were first talking about him is like, well, whatever, he was out there trying to get five years and $75 million or whatever. And when that was the price tag, it's like, no, no, we do not want the 35-year-old, uh, or 33, excuse me, 33-year-old outfielder for five years, but one year. Hey. Mm-hmm. You know, unless this is the year he falls off the table, you know, this this contract is not his decline contract. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to argue with with the contract that he got. And I think that even though his last three years were not as good as the three before, which are kind of, you know, maybe saying he's in decline. He when you compare him to who the DH was last year or who the multiple people who were the DH last year. It's such a ginormous step up. He's going to, I mean, unless something goes completely wrong, he's going to hit at least 20 home runs. You know, he's going to have... As the Orioles kept touting, oh, he's one of like six players or something to have uh, 20 or more home runs in the last five years. Maybe it's more I mean, than six, but they, they mentioned that a couple times in that press release. Yeah, so he's had at least uh, the least number of home runs. 22 was in 2010. So between 22 and 33 home runs every year for the past six years. And so... A guy, he, his on-base skills do leave a little bit to be desired. That's definitely true. but Which is always a problem with the Orioles. Yeah. But the guys who were running out there, they were running out there last year, couldn't get on base, and they couldn't hit for power. They couldn't do anything. And so Cruz is certainly a flawed player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's why he only signed for one year, a one-year contract. You know, if he was not a flawed player, then he would have signed Shinsu Chu's contract, which is basically who the Rangers signed to replace him. Yeah. Um, 
So, but I think that, you know, he's going to hit some bombs, you know, and he's going to be an exciting guy to watch. I, I do, do not like the comparisons to Vlad, Vlad 2.0. Yeah. I mean, very upset and and nervous. I feel like that's like the loser Orioles fan mentality, just rearing up. Like it's just being used to everything going terrible because I mean, Cruz is several years younger than Vladimir Guerrero was. And I feel like it's not as obviously in decline as Vlad was. Yes. And I, and I feel like, yeah, not obviously in decline. That's a big key factor for me. Even though Vlad, if you looked at his overall numbers for the year that he came, before he came to the Orioles, they looked not terrible, but if you looked at them over time, they were not good. Right, he was severely going down from like the, the first mm-hmm. half to the second half, and mm-hmm. unsurprisingly, he was significantly worse in in the season he I was mean, on the Orioles. Although, in fairness, the year that he was on the Orioles, he was worse than anyone thought he would be. Yeah. Even the people that thought he would be bad did not think that he would be as bad as he was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Loser talk. That's loser talk. Nelson Cruz, that's not happening to him. Like they signed him out of a foolish hope that okay, if if the young pitchers, well they were younger then, they were still the hot prospects then. If they all figure it out, then we'll need this veteran bat or whatever. Then those guys all stunk anyway, so what did it matter? Yeah. You know? So it's so Vlad so, so, could have been Vlad from his prime and it wouldn't have helped that team. Right. Very there much. was there was no there was no hope there no matter what Vlad Guerrero was. But it was still frustrating to watch him bat cleanup every freaking day because he was a future Hall of Famer and Buck was just like not gonna move him. And that was that. It's frustrating. Right. And that's not what I don't I mean, I'm feeling very optimistic and which is weird for me, but I don't think that's gonna be the case here. It, I should hope not. And and so so by the way, the Orioles DH is last year collectively batted with a 2.34 average, a 2.89 on-base percentage, sub Isterician on-base percentage, 4.15 slugging percentage. So they had good power, but not good average or on-base skills. And Cruz last Great. year batted with 2.66 average, 3.27 on-base percentage, 5.06 slugging percentage. It was a pretty nice improvement. Yeah, it's not even com- so. Even if Cruz say let's even if Cruz has a 320 on base percentage, that's still like almost a 30 point swing from last year. Right, big difference. And you know that's that's better if he's gonna bat. I don't know, probably fifth, and then he's behind Chris Davis. Whatever lineup protection is whatever, but it still will be better to have Cruz batting more than Matt Weiders, for instance, who was uh kind of disappointing as a mm. number five hitter last year. Yeah, he's the worst. So Matt Weeders makes us sad, but there is one player who was bad last year who now makes you happy. Yes, Nick Markakis and his magic arm. If you haven't seen any pictures of Nick Markakis from spring training, you should really seek them out. There's been a couple that were in, like, one was on the, the front of the sports page of the Baltimore Sun where he was, like, doing, I don't know, what was it, like a running drill with him strapped to, like, a weight? Yeah, like... Yeah, and he along. was like dragging the weight, and, it, and I think there was someone like holding on to it also, but they, they weren't in the picture. And his arm is flexed, and it is the biggest, muscleless Nick Marquez's arm that I have ever seen. And after years of having, of being like, what? Why is he so skinny? What are these noodle arms? And watching him lose strength on his, remember his. His throws used to be like a cannon, and then it got less and less, and then it was a noodle. Right, then he's throwing like seven hoppers, like 20 feet or more off target, (laughs) practically rolling it in there like he's bowling or something. Right, so, you know, I don't know if it was around FanFest time or, you know, before they, just before they went to spring training, you know, Rock Kabaka was writing about, uh, you know, quotes from Nick about the changes he's making and he's working out more than ever. And he's, and it's all of the, you know, best shape of his life garbage that we hear from every player every year. And so I didn't really give it much thought, but when we saw that picture of his arm and we've had more than one picture of his arm surface where right. he just looks muscly. Like, there was another I mean, like, picture like from, a, like a from big the muscle guy. press conference because a bunch of the players came and uh, Brett Hollander from WBAL radio just snapped a picture of them. And Marcakis is just like chilling and he just looks like, wow. That arm actually has muscle. How about that? Nick Markakis yeah. can can uh, can hit the weight room after all. Yeah, I don't want to pin all my hopes on one arm, but I am. I'm declaring Nick Markakis back. 
and that's probably stupid and ridiculous of me, but that that that's what spring is for, right? You're supposed to feel optimistic in the spring, and I try not to feel optimistic for no reason. I feel like yeah, I there's a specific reason, reason with Mark Hakus. The reason is his arm. Like, you can see that it just is different than it has been last year in particular. And he talked about it a little bit at FanFest because it's something like before last offseason, he didn't get to do his work because he had had like two abdomen surgeries in the span of five months or something like that. Yeah, well, he had the um, abdomen surgery. He had the surgery to get his uh, thumb fixed. Right. After, you know, so after Sabathia hit it. So he had that surgery, and then he had abdomen surgery. So when was he supposed to get ready for the season? Right, and so, you know, he talked about, okay, he had to make adjustments he never had to make before, and I guess that's why. You know, sometimes it looked like you could just watch him, and it looked like he was like, choking up a mile on the bat it's like well no wonder you can't you know you go like whatever he went what was it like six weeks without an extra base hit or something absurd yeah, like that like something he horrible. went an entire calendar month without an extra mm-hmm. base hit at one point i believe yeah it's yeah that abdomen surgery might have been before 2012 i can't remember but he basically said that he had two off seasons where he wasn't able to prepare the way that he wanted to. And this is the first offseason in three years where he has been healthy from the get-go. Yeah. So he's been able to do everything on schedule. He said he started earlier than he ever has before. He's been lifting weights. He's been doing all kinds of stuff. And I've seen the proof. The proof is the arm. So, you know, maybe we're just idiots, but I, I don't think it's crazy to uh, have some more hope in Nick Marcakis. And, you know, if he rebounds a little bit, well, more than a little bit, but he doesn't have to even get all the way to what he was to be better than a 685 OPS, which is what he had last year. You know, if he gets back, I don't know, 750 range, that is a significant boost. It is. And I think, I think, you know, Nick is capable of more than 750. I think that, you know, 800, 825, he could do it. This is the so I think over 800. La, he's had two seasons in his career other than his very first season. He was at 799 where he's been under 800. Yeah. Sadly, they were two of the last three years. But, um, you know, I don't think an OPS of over 800 is outlandish for Nick. Uh, so I would like to see that. And I think that I think he'd get there. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to talk myself into it, maybe, but. With the Orioles making all these moves, suddenly I'm looking on the bright side of things rather than on the dark side the of things. The brighter side is way more apparent right now. And mm-hmm. and people who think I'm like the ultimate pessimist, I had to write a thing for SB Nation is doing a big major league preview, and I had to write a little thing about why the Orioles will win the pennant. I don't know if writing that made me sunny, feeling sunny, but it's it's just been it's been something. Well, first of all, I had to write it and make changes to it twice, because I wrote it before they signed Jimenez and Cruz. So first I had to change yeah. it and be like, oh, nope, here's Ubaldo Jimenez, and then I had to change it again and be like, no, nope, here's here's Cruz. And each time right. it was like more and more, <laughs> wow, this is happening. Yeah, our deadline was February 14th for that preview, so we submitted it, then they signed Jimenez, then we were like, oh, can we submit a late correction and then cruise oh can we do another correction right, Stacey, and... i mean what was your your <laughs> first submission for key additions was basically like lol wasn't it i mean right well yeah so one of the boxes is key additions and you're supposed to put like a comment at the end so i put like long version and i put you know ryan webb and suckman yoon and david Lowe, and i was like short version lol so i actually had to change that because once you sign a bold to him and as an elson cruise you can't say lol anymore right <laughs> oh and grant Balfour's name crossed out yeah <laughs> yeah right that's still in there, I think. So, you know, that 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 is something that happened. I don't know when that will be unveiled to the public, but Stacy and I are both feeling pretty sunny when we were writing those. And uh, I mean, it's not. I mean, maybe we've just gone crazy. I don't know, but it's not for no reason. I think. Yeah, and you know what? It's more fun being optimistic. Yeah, it really is. Like it's. We've just seen so many terrible Orioles teams over so many years. And, you know, even the 2012 Orioles that were great, there was no way to be thinking that in spring. Well, you know, and for those of you who who don't, you know, 
know this. Mark and I talk on GChat all the time. And I don't know, we've already said what we say a hundred times a week that we hate the Orioles. And we've been saying it all off season. And it's so frustrating. And you know, how long have we been writing together for this is our fourth season. Yep. And so for four years we've except for my you know, one, have been saying, I hate the Orioles. I hate the Orioles. And it's so much more uplifting to not say that constantly. And I'm hoping that they don't make me say it again, starting on like April fifteenth or something. Yeah, that would that would be highly unfortunate if if things just go badly like that. I mean, you know, they don't have any blow your socks off stars other than I don't know Chris Davis after hitting fifty three home runs, his star is certainly rising. You know, Adam Jones is mm-hmm. a really good player, but he's not like Mike Trout. No, well, nobody's like Mike Trout. Yeah, nobody's like Mike Trout except for Mike Trout, but. You know, the they haven't had you know, obvious guys like that. Although, you know, Chris Davis was third in MVP voting, which was pretty cool. But not year yeah. after year after year. Like, Miguel Cabrera's up in there, and Trout will probably stay up in there as long as he doesn't get hurt or something. Chris could do it again. He could, and that would be awesome. Like, I mean, what if he just hits 40? It would still be awesome. That would be awesome. I would be very happy with that. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't need to do 53 again. Just, you know, 40, 35... 40 would be cooler than 30. Let's say 40. 40 sounds better. Yeah, he could do it. I mean, really, 2012, he was good. What, did he hit 33 home Yeah, he had 33 in 2012. He slugged so, over 500 just barely, I believe. So so I don't think that, yeah, if he's, let, instead of giving it a number of home runs, let me just say, if he slugs over 500, I'll be happy. I mean, that's not going to be... Um, the greatest that's not going to be breaking records to slug over 500. Lots of guys do, but you need guys like that who can like regularly slug 500 or more. Yeah. And no team has a million of them, but good teams have a, one or two. So, yeah, and he shouldn't have to carry the team with, if Marcakis is back, Machado, hopefully kind of improving a little bit at the plate. And even if he doesn't, he still has power and speed. Mm-hmm. Jones, is a player, you know, he's frustrating sometimes, but man, he's good. He is. He's very good. It's very frustrating to me reading everyone saying horrible things about him because I think that we don't know how good we have it with him. Like It's frustrating if you watch him in an at-bat and he gets, you know, into the one-two count and he just corkscrews himself into the dirt on the ball that's off the plate by a mm-hmm, lot. And sure. th- that's frustrating to watch. And you'll see it a lot of times in the season It's frustrating, but I mean, he just is so he's, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like undisputed best player in baseball or something. He's, he's very good. And he's on the Orioles through 2018. That's awesome. What was he? Number 29 on our top 40 list. We've been counting down. He was season. Since it's the 60th anniversary of the Orioles franchise, we've been counting down the top 40 Orioles through the offseason. And a couple of current Orioles are on there. We've got Jones at number 29, and Mark Hakus, who we've been gushing about on this podcast, is number 22. Hopefully yep. they both uh, make their way higher by the time their Orioles tenures are over. He's one of the great Orioles, and he's, he's hopefully going to be greater and greater. Flaws and all. And he's hit 30-plus home runs in each of the last two seasons, so hopefully he can do that again, too. Yep. And then Davis, of course. And then Cruz. What's he going to be? I don't know, but he should be. Duquette likes to talk about legitimate middle of the order. I I don't think it's crazy to think Cruz will fit in legitimate middle of the order there. Nope. I think that he's, uh, he's definitely got the power. And I think that he will also be a frustrating player at times. Probably so. But I think that when he gets a hold of one, we are going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, him and Davis back-to-back is going to be something that should be fun. And really, Jones, too. If the three of them back-to-back-to-back, that's that's real, that's real firepower. You know, that's not a lot of, not a lot of teams have that, that kind of power ability, three strong. Yes, that is true. They combined for... Um, 103, no, 113 home runs last year. Those only half of those were uh, Chris's. Yeah. And Cruz, <laughs> of course, was only in 109 games, and he had 27. So, I mean, that's a lot of dingers. Yes, I like I like home runs a lot, so I'm happy. Go farther down the lineup, and even Matt Wieters, as much as we find him frustrating, has hit uh, at least 20 home runs in the last three seasons, mm-hmm. I believe. 
JJ. JJ Hardy is capable of hitting some homers. Maybe he'll actually get on base a little bit to go along with the homers. Uh, but yeah, JJ Hardy, since coming to the Orioles, has hit 30 home runs, 22 home runs, 25 home runs. From a shortstop. From shortstop. A gold glove shortstop. Two time gold glove shortstop. Mm-hmm. So he can't get on base. But when he gets on base, he gets on all of them. Yeah, he just goes all the way around. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't get on base, he just goes through the bases. And JJ Hardy, speaking of him by the way, thinks that Ryan Flaherty playing second base the full season could hit twenty home runs also. So Yeah. I, you know, when you first told me about that, I was like, come on, JJ. But then when you look up Flaherty's numbers, he had ten home runs last year and he had like what, two hundred and seventy or something plate appearances. So if Flaherty had ten home runs and two hundred and seventy one plate appearances, so if you double that, you're talking five hundred and forty two plate appearances, twenty home runs. Which is very I mean, five hundred and forty plate appearances totally full season doable. So So I mean it's it's obviously not a sure thing, but he has shown there's power in his bat. If he can do that on the regular, who knows? But J.J. Hardy thinks he could. Obviously, it doesn't matter what J.J. Hardy thinks, but I, I still thought it was interesting that he... Uh, I don't remember why he brought that up, but he went out of his way to talk about that at, at the Fan Fest. Which was just... I don't know. It was, it's, like, cool to hear the Orioles just, like, saying good things about one another. It's not just a team of guys who are just, like, thrown in there together and it's whatever. They all seem to root for one another. That's cool, too. It's actually a team. Or so it seems when they're winning. I mean, you know, whatever. It's good to have. It's easy to have good clubhouse chemistry when you're winning. But. It's true. But it does seem like they really do like each other a lot. And maybe that's because this team has now had two years together winning. And that's why they like each other. But it does seem like that. And it's, it's, it's it, they're fun. They're fun to watch. And, I mean, it's cool because some of the newer guys that have come up, like, Manny Machado. I mean, winning Orioles is all Manny Machado knows. I just rem- like I remember this from last year, and it was like a before FanFest last year. Somebody asked Pedro Strope something or other about, well, how is it that the Orioles are good now? And like Pedro Strope, when the Orioles got him in 2011, they were actually good in the last two months of 2011, and then they were good in 2012. So for Pedro Strope, good Orioles was all he knew. Like there was no, he wasn't on the bad Orioles. He was only on good Orioles. And, you know, it's like that for somebody like Machado. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hopefully it uh, can be like that for the likes of Gossman and Bundy and all that. Going back to that top 40 thing, I, I was writing about Al Bumbry recently, and Al Bumbry never played on a losing Orioles team in his long career. Just pretty cool. And I, I hope that somebody like Machado we can say that about, or, you know, Dylan Bundy or something. It would be cool. That would be very cool. Because... You know, hopefully, one, they get long careers, and two, the Orioles remain, you know, at least good-ish. 85 wins, obviously, they're not winning the World Series, but they're not they're not in fifth place. They're not the laughing stock of the league. In some years, maybe that's your ceiling, and that's okay. But 93 is a lot more fun. Indeed. If 85 is the average, though, with peaks that get up higher from, you know, in years... I could live with that right, team. Right, that's going to be pretty cool, and that will be fun to watch over the years. So, you know, I uh, I certainly have my fingers crossed that can happen. So if we're going to get there this year, one reason we would is going to be the starting rotation, hopefully. Right now I would say it looks like, well, I sure hope Chris Tillman is the opening day starter, but they maybe will have it be Jimenez. I hope it's Tillman. Yeah, I, I do. I hope it's Tillman. And I bet Jimenez will be number two if he's not the opening day guy. And then you've got oh, yeah. Wei-Yin Chen, Miguel Gonzalez, and I feel like probably Bud Norris is number five right now. Although, of course, Buck likes to say whoever's starting that day is your number one starter, but come on, Buck. Really, your number one starter is your opening day starter, and the rest should fall into place after that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's Buck's uh, job to make all the guys feel like the number one starters on the day that they pitch, but... You know, whatever. Bud is, it's his job to lose if it's starting job. So I think that any competition that there was went out the window when they signed Jimenez. Yeah, because before that, it was like, okay, Tillman, Chen, Gonzalez, probably Norris four, and then a whole slew of guys that, and especially before they signed Yoon, 
you know, a whole slew of guys. You could just throw like, oh, well, we're going to work out Brian Mattis as a starter this spring and Zach Britton will get a shot and TJ McFarland and Josh Stinson and blah, 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 and all these guys. Steve Johnson. No, we're we're shuffling all that out. We're not having the open competition for number five, which I'm okay with personally. Yeah, it's amazing the difference that uh, one kind of established starter can have on spring training because, I mean, do you think that when they signed him and as Zach Britton was just like, crap. Yeah, it's probably he was, I, I have to imagine if he was any kind of realistic, he was disappointed. And, and any number of those guys, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be Steve Johnson, but maybe, you know, Steve Johnson thinks he's better than he is, which is okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, oh, let me strike that cliche. Don't it, it, pretend I didn't say that, but, you know, he's Steve Johnson and he's way better at baseball than I am. But, you know, he's he's probably not uh, not got it in him to be a regular major league starter for any length of time on a good baseball team. Mm-hmm. So just shuffling to where now all those guys are your your depth rather than your competition for the rotation really changes the picture. As long as Ubaldo Jimenez doesn't totally suck. I'm, I, I don't know why I think that he won't. I guess it goes back to my optimistic state of mind. But, you know... He was so good at the end of for most of last year. He started off crappy, but he was so good for most of last year. And people can say, well, you know, the two years before that, look at that. But I don't know, just things that I've read online, talking to the Indians blogger about him, you know, looking at his mechanics, it sounds like it'll be tricky for him. He'll have his periods, but I don't know. He talked about it I, at I his good. press conference, and it was like something or other with his ankle. He couldn't repeat his delivery and command his fastball as well or something like that and that was why he had those terrible seasons and then that improved mm-hmm. in 2013 and lo and behold his ERA went from 5.40 in 2012 to 3.30 in 2013 so I mean you know maybe he has no idea what he's talking about but I feel like if anybody knows how Ubaldo Jimenez feels it's probably himself Yeah. so I mean if he says well you know this is this is improved. I don't know. I mean, I can't say he's wrong. He he would have to right. show us he's wrong. He might go wrong for other reasons, but right. You know, you can look at that and certainly think, okay, well, this guy has a reason to be better than he showed when he was doing poorly. Yes, I I'm feeling hopeful. So I mean, and hopefully he rewards that. Yeah, piece. I I sure hope he does too. I would like it if he did. And as his number two-ish starter, it's fine with me. You know, that's not your powerhouse four aces rotation, but with the offense that Orioles should have, that should be good enough to keep them pretty solidly in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you know, Miguel Gonzalez can continue to be Miguel Gonzalez with his smoke and mirrors and magic and whatever else he's doing to be a good major league pitcher... I think, you know, I think you know what you're getting from Chen, kind of, you know, a steady middle-of-the-order presence. I I think they could stay in it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of reason to believe certainly they're better than 75-whatever wins, and even maybe better than last year's 85, if, if guys like Marquecas are better than they were last year, and, you know, if Jimenez is some kind of stabilizing force in the rotation. Or... If nothing else, if he makes his starts and then they don't have to have Freddy Garcia crawl out of Norfolk mm-hmm. to start 10 games. Because yeah, I feel like maybe nice. I've tried to block that out of my memory or something. But every time I look at the, at the team there statistics is. for that year, there there <laughs> he is. That happened. It was an yep. actual part of the 2013 Orioles was Freddy Garcia. Yeah, and then he went to freaking Atlanta and pitched well. It's almost like going from the American League East <laughs> to the National League. It's almost like that's inferior competition in the National League. Almost, almost. Almost like that. Wait, did he pitch in a playoff game? Did he? I don't know. He might have. I, I, <laughs> unless maybe that was just like a crazy nightmare of mine. He did. He pitched in it. He started a game. <laughs> he started a game in the NLDS yeah. against the Dodgers. That. That's why you don't win the playoffs, Braves. 
gosh, that happened. I had forgotten that. I blocked that out of my memory. I mean, he was as terrible as you can get for the Orioles. Yeah. He had one good game against the Nationals. I remember we had tickets to that game, and I thought... Didn't he like have a com- or nearly a complete? I don't, I don't. Well, it might have been a complete. It was a complete game, but we were going to the game, and I thought I saw who was coming up in the pitching rotation, and I was like, "Gosh, seriously, we gotta go see this guy." And then he pitched like I think it was his best game of the year, and I was like, "Well, at least uh, Freddie Garcia can make me happy once." <laughs> but so I mean, get 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 that guy to not make the starts. Just have all your guys make the starts and. Yes. Oh, and by the way, speaking of that National League to American League thing, so so Jimenez, in some ways, is like plan F for the Orioles because they were reported to be after five other guys or whatever, and they didn't end up getting any of them. But uh, take, for instance, Bronson Arroyo, A.J. Burnett, both of whom basically spurned the Orioles to sign elsewhere for comparable amounts of money. Well, both of them would have been coming over from the National League anyway. It was hard to be excited about those guys, other than, well, okay, they make all their starts. But at least Jimenez has been mm-hmm. in the AL, if not the AL East. But he's been pitching to nine professional hitters a night right? on the regular. Right. He wasn't pitching in the league that strategically, intentionally walks Nick Punto. Yes, he was not. He was not uh, <laughs> not pitching in the league that freaking walks Pete Cosma. Ugh. Oh, National League. He had eight, yeah. Pete Cosma had eight intentional walks last year. He was intentional. <laughs> because he, bat, because he batted in front of the pitcher? Yes. So, yeah. That's a guy who batted 217 with a 275 on base percentage and a 273 slugging percentage last year. Eight intentional walks. That's the National League. So, you know what? If A.J. Burnett and Bronson Arroyo can't handle pitching in the American League, I'm glad they didn't come here. Right. The, I mean, okay. So, obviously. The guys that came here is because the Orioles offered them money, but it's also because you know they want. Well, the Orioles offered a royal money. Yeah. They, mm. we think they offered Burnett money. Gavin Floyd, they offered two years, and he went to pitch one year in Atlanta because he wants to turn it around and get a bigger contract the next year. Right. Oh, I forgot all about Gavin Floyd. Yeah. That was really early. It was. It was so long ago. It was almost like it was a different off season. Yeah. So he, rather than taking two years of guaranteed money took one year from the Braves because he knew he could pitch better in the National League and then get a better contract. So how can you, you know, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, if they don't want to be here, goodbye. Good riddance. I don't want them to be here anyway. I mean, I can see, you know, do you want to bat against the Mets or do you want to bat against the Red Sox? Like, I can see it. (laughs) But even the Yankees in their kind of decrepit and broken down state hit more than most of those National League teams. So Right. So, I see it. So players maybe were shying so, away from that. Maybe they would say, oh, it was the physical, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. The Orioles' money is good. It's not the days of Sid Thrift mm-hmm. and Confederate money. Mm-mm. But, you know, there are still other challenges to acquiring players, if you will. But they still got people, and hopefully good people. One other thing we wanted to talk about before we run out of time is maybe who's going to make it into the bullpen We've been trying to puzzle this out because there's just so many names you can throw at the bullpen. And it's probably going to come down to, if you've got an option, you're going to Norfolk. Probably. But maybe not. So we were talking amongst ourselves before we uh, before we started talking. And Stacy and I feel like the locks are going to be Tommy Hunter, Darren O'Day, Brian Mattis, and Ryan Webb. Correct. So that leaves basically three spots if they start the season with eight relievers, I'm going to be sad. So if, if yeah, we're not even going to entertain that possibility. I mean, I could if whatever if that happens as the season goes along. Okay, but if they start without an opening day, that would be bad. So that leaves right. especially when the pitchers are all fresh. Yeah. No, no, no. It leaves three spots, and there's basically like eight names for those three spots. And uh, by the way, this is counting Troy Patton suspended for the first 25 games. And he will come off and probably take a spot after that as well. But for opening day, you've got eight guys probably consisting of Zach Britton, Josh Stinson, Steve Johnson, I don't know, maybe TJ McFarland, some of their new acquisitions over the offseason you might have forgotten about, like Kelvin De La Cruz, Edgemer, Escalona, um, Brad, Brack, Brock, I don't know. 
guy they got from the Padres for like cash or something. I feel like I'm forgetting one guy. Suckman Yoon. That's right, Yoon. So some of these guys are out of options, namely Britton, Stinson, De La Cruz, Escalona. Uh, I think that's it, and Patton, but he's restricted. Right. So that's four guys who are either going to have to make the team or go through waivers. And there's three spots, so at least one of these guys is gone, regardless. At least gone from the 40-man. And that's not even counting if somebody like TJ McFarland, who has an option, kind of squeezes in there. Although, I mean, really, TJ McFarland is starting the season in North. It's got. I would think so. It's got to be. But yeah, I think that the unless something goes crazy wrong, Britain is a lock to make the bullpen at least until Patton gets back. Yeah, he's got. He's going to have three-ish weeks to show his stuff as a lefty out of the bullpen, probably. Mm-hmm. Ryan Webb, by the way, has an option, but I feel like he's pretty much a lock to be the next Jim Johnson type. Maybe not the closer. I think so. And they signed him to a two-year deal, so they're not paying him, like, you know, the minimum or anything. Right. What was it, like two years, $4.5 million or something. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's not a huge expenditure, but that's not a guy you want to have pitching for the Norfolk Tides. So, um, you know... Whatever out of that bullpen, maybe they can cobble together something better than last year's bullpen. Because it did turn out the amazing bullpen of 2012 could not be repeated into 2013, even with basically the same guys. It turns out relievers kind of volatile from year to year. Mm-hmm. Funny how that works out. But now they might have different guys. Certainly Ryan Webb will be different than uh, most of these guys competing for the last three spots for not throwing for the bullpen on the regular for most of last year. So if nothing else, yeah, if they're solid, um, that means they don't have to go trading for Francisco Rodriguez. Ugh. Oh, what a mess. Yeah. What a mess. What a disaster Francisco Rodriguez was. What a mess. Sorry, Nick Delmonico. I, I miss him. I don't even know if, even if he's never <laughs> good, I, I will still regret that. Yeah. I think that yeah, you're looking at, uh, Yoon, Brack, Johnson, McFarland going down to the minors and then just waiting for someone to get hurt or be bad enough and then they'll get their chance. I'm sure we'll probably see all of them during the season. Right. There's there's no reason to believe that the Dan Duquette uh, strategy of using a player for three days and then shuffling the roster again will stop. Like He seems pretty locked into that even with a more stable roster. Although I would like it if the roster was good enough that he doesn't need to be shuffling all that time but that would be nice i think if there's a place that's going to happen it's going to be the bullpen or the fifth spot of the rotation hopefully it doesn't need to be any of the uh positions on the diamond other than pitcher maybe left field can be more or less stable maybe second base everybody that's not uh in the orioles sphere seems to think it's going to be jamile weeks who's the second baseman but i feel like it's ryan flaherty's job i definitely think it's ryan flaherty like i i feel like anybody who's thinking weeks is just kind of really not paying attention to the orioles which is fine because i mean you know i don't pay attention to the minnesota twins you know or any other team that's not the orioles really like you know i don't i don't know who's the uh Who's the Milwaukee Brewers second baseman? I don't care who's the Milwaukee Brewers second baseman. It doesn't matter. Is it is it is it Jamal's brother? Is it Richie Weeks? It might be. I don't. I picked that name out of a hat. It might be. <laughs> um. Well, the thing. Did I make this up, or did did we hear somewhere that it was Flaherty's job to lose? Like somewhere from Buck or someone? Like I felt like I'm so confident in it that I feel like I must have heard it somewhere. I, I didn't just maybe, make it up. Maybe you dreamed it. Maybe you saw a vision of. Uh, I can't imagine dreaming about Ryan Flaherty, but I guess stranger things have happened. <laughs> I had a dream that involved Guillermo Moda one time. It was a very random baseball player. That is a random baseball player. Yeah, yeah he was you... in the outfield, and I said something about his mom, and then he came into the stands and tried to beat the crap out of me. I don't know why I had that dream. It's, uh, I don't know. Well, if you ever see him, don't heckle him. No, I'm not going to say anything about his mom or anything else um, to do with that. But yeah, moving on from my weird dreams. Um, <laughs> so the bullpen is going to be what it's going to be. I feel like if there's roster churn anywhere, it'll be there. But maybe when the Orioles talk about, well, we've got depth, maybe this will be the year where the depth is not something terrible that you never want to experience. 
Maybe. Maybe. So so last year they used 14 starting pitchers. That's pretty bad. Maybe we can cut that down this year. You know, maybe go to like nine. That'd be okay. Yeah, let's let's aim for di- single digits. <laughs> we could make like what was it? The Tigers last year I think had every start by their uh, their opening day. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. That's not. That's probably I not going to happen in even the best. I think most teams probably use. I have to go and look, but I think I've looked at it before. And most teams are going to use at least, I want to say at least like s- seven or eight. I think eight is even the- guys that are, yeah, even if guys are good, people still get hurt. People still have to go have a baby. You know, people do, there are all kinds of reasons that you have to have other guys starting. As long as you're not having, like you said, scrubs like Freddie Garcia making 10 starts. Or like Jake Arrieta you know? made like five I'm still I'm still sad about him. Brit- well, Britain made like seven, and you know maybe Britain will be better this year, maybe not. But he was bad. He was pretty bad last year. Yeah, he had his moments last year, but he I mean he was better than Arietta, but yeah, he's been a disappointment. I was I think Britain. I was really excited for him, not as excited as I was for Mattis, but more than Arietta. And so he was he was a pretty big letdown for me. Was Britain one of the guys where you just kind of up and went to the game on the night of his debut or was that a was that a different pitcher? I don't think I saw Britain's debut. I saw Arietta and Tillman. No, that's and right cuz Britain didn't he debut in Tampa Bay cuz there was that whole uh Yeah, he wasn't going to, but then Mattis went on the DL, right? Yeah. And they called him up at the last minute. Yeah. That's right cuz we were at Pickles Pub after watching the opening day win over the Rays that year when they announced that. That's right. No, yeah, but I did go see um, – there is a, a Camden chatter whose handle is Wicked Witch. She's not around too much, but, uh, like, one day they, like, announced Jake Arrieta's pitching, and I was like, let's go to the game. And I was like, who wants to go? And she's like, I'll go. And so we just, like, met there, and and he pitched against the Yankees, and he pitched very well, and we were very excited. And then he turned into Jake Arrieta. Oh, so. poor Jake. Oh, well. I will not happens. be sad if he turns into a decent pitcher for the Cubs. Oh, I hope he does well. Like, really? Maybe he just needed to change the scenery. The Orioles couldn't wait on him anymore. Nope. Which is okay because... He needed to go to a team that isn't going to be good this right, year. Right, that has no head. expectations. They, yep. they don't care if there's a guy who's going to get bombed every now and again. Yep. Sorry, Cubs fans. Actually, I'm not really sorry. I uh, I know what it's like to suffer through a losing team, and I'm glad, glad those days are gone for the moment, hopefully forever. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jake Carrietta, I see that he's questionable for his first scheduled start on his baseball yeah, reference page. Or... right shoulder. You never ah. want to hear the shoulder. That makes me sad again. But not that sad because he's not on the Orioles anymore. Yeah. Hopefully it's just, you know, the kind of working out the spring training kinks and not something more serious than that. Yeah, like the, the dreaded uh, labrum tear or fabrum bear, as we've been known to call it on Camden <laughs> Chat. But it has the makings of a good team, and we'll have a we'll have our season preview later because we're not going to abandon you for months again. We will be nope. we will be back more regularly this time. Mm-hmm. So we'll have our our win projections as spring training and the roster shakes out more later. But I mean, right now, it sure feels like at the worst it should be a good-ish baseball team, and if things click and go right. Once again, they could really surprise the haters. I feel like there's not as many haters, but they're still out there. Like even, you know, even like Zips or whatever doesn't believe in the Orioles. Yeah, Dan Simborski. Jeez. Hey, we should have him on the um, podcast this year. He is a good guy to talk to. Let's... Yeah, we like we like Dan a lot, even if his mathematical equations don't have high hopes for the Orioles. So our Zips projected stand. Oh no, Zips projects 81, 85 wins. Okay. Well, oh. About that. Well, it's Pakoda. Hold on, excuse me. That's that that I'm reading the wrong column. Uh, I'm an idiot. The 85 wins is saying, oh, this was their 2013 record. That was not the first <laughs> column. <laughs> and I was like, wow, they projected the same thing. The 2014 projection is actually 77 wins. So boo, well, boo hiss. Boo again. I feel like it would have to be a very, very, very worst case scenario for the Orioles to end up at 77 wins. Like I think if the Orioles have shown us anything is that they do not give a crap about how many games people think they are supposed to win. A lot would have to go wrong to get there. And I mean, it certainly could. We've seen years where a lot goes wrong, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent on this team and there's a lot of 
talent that I think can be good in ways that isn't really encapsulated in any of these projection systems. Yes. Which maybe sounds like the deranged ramblings of someone who thinks with their heart instead of their head, but I mean, we all watched the 2012 Orioles, man. There's there's almost no rational explanation for that. It happened. I watched it, and I still really couldn't tell you, you know, why. It was just awesome. And sure enough, you know, the, 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 the much ballyhooed one-run game differential, yeah, that cratered. But they can win baseball games in other ways with all these guys who can hit all these home runs. And, I mean, just, just starting rotation, give them half a chance. That's all it takes, half a chance. It doesn't sound like much, but uh, it turns out it is a lot to ask. But maybe these will be the <laughs> unit that can finally uh, at least give them half a chance more often than not. Yeah, well, I think that with this lineup, like you said, half a chance. With this lineup, if the pitching isn't abysmal, it will be a, an interesting year, to say the least. Like, just just go six innings, at least. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It is a lot. Because not many of the guys they've run through have been able to just do that. Many have failed, but the ones who are in the rotation now have had multiple years of success now. Well, except for Bud Norris. Yeah. But everybody else, I mean, you know, Jimenez was, was very good in Colorado before he was traded. Which is why the Indians gave up a pretty penny to get him. And, of course, he was bad the first couple of years in Cleveland, which is kind of unfortunate. But yeah. Chen has been solid for two years. Gonzalez has been solid for two years. Tillman has basically been solid for one and a half years. He was an all-star last year. That was that was kind of awesome. Kind of a joke, yeah. but also kind of awesome. Yeah, I would say he's been in, – in this last year, I would say he was he was more than solid. Yeah. He He had a good season, and he had a good season in a way that I think – you can believe he can repeat that. Yes. Not just, you know, fluked into whatever. And, you know, that's that's a rotation that, you know, it's not going to be having, like, three guys in the top whatever of Cy Young balance, but I think it, right. it can be good enough to be what the Orioles need them to be in order to get where they want to go. And, hey, that'll be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So... Haters, whatever. Brush it off. I don't care. I just care about, are the Orioles going to win? And right now, I feel pretty good about the Orioles. I do. I just feel pretty good. This is really strange for me, because I've never heard you say that before. I I surely have said it once or twice. I don't know that I've ever said it in February before. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. In the spring, you're supposed to be depressed. About the Orioles' chances. Actually, you know what? The year I felt the best about the Orioles before was, uh, I think, before 2010. Oh. Whatever year they started out going two and six. Me too. I, I I really distinctly remember going to many many people that I know and being like, "No, man, this is the year the Orioles are coming out of nowhere to surprise people." Basically, everything that 2012 ended up being this time in 2010. Like, I was a true believer that 2010 was going to be that year. And then then they started off 2-16, and 16, and that was the end of hope forever, at least until the 2012 Orioles. So, whatever. Forget about all that. No more 2010 Orioles. But that was probably one time I did believe. But right now, I believe, and the reason I believe is because the Orioles have just had two good seasons most of the team that compiled those two good seasons is here and back and ready for more. It's not yes. like it's not like we're hoping, okay, well, maybe if these guys finally get better, it's, wait a minute, the bulk well, of this team was in the playoffs two seasons ago. Like, we want to talk about who's got playoff experience. Well, let me tell you who's got playoff experience. Anybody who was on the 2012 Orioles. That's a lot of players who are still here. They have yep. they have experience getting to and being in the playoffs. They were nine wins away from winning the World Series. Most of those guys are still here. Yes, I think it's it's exciting. It's an exciting year, and I'm I'm excited even though I'm nervous because I'm we're not so far removed yet that I'm not scared that they're gonna 
fall apart. We aren't. We aren't that far enough away. If you if you dwell on it, and certainly I have had my moments where I dwell on it, even since they've signed Jimenez and Cruz. It it we, we know it can go wrong, but right now I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there's one thing where we don't feel good about the Orioles, namely they're like the last team in baseball that hasn't announced their promotions yet. And you know, at least throw us a bone, give us you know a couple to be announced t-shirts days or bobblehead no. days or whatever, but no, there's nothing. Nothing at all. I'm sure there will be something, but I don't know what is their reason for dallying. Well, it doesn't matter. Even when they announce them, we're going to look at them and say, this is kind of lame compared to all the other teams. The Giants, they give out great giveaways. The Pirates give out great giveaways. Lots of teams do, and the Orioles do not. So... What does it even matter that they haven't released it yet? Because it's just going to be like two t-shirts and one fan choice bobblehead. Stacy, did you know that the Giants are giving away an R2-D2 beanie hat? Yes, I did. I saw that when I was looking. And I, you must not have been, we must not have been talking then because I would have sent it to you. <laughs> but yes, they give away cool stuff. Hello Kitty Giants plush, a fedora. They have an all-Brandon weekend where they're giving away things with uh, Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt. <laughs> Growth charts, bobbleheads, it's it's the Brandon weekend. Like, so the, the Orioles do not and, pro- and seemingly will never do this. Virgin America two-for-one flight voucher. Like, oh, That's what me and Paul got that last year. It was just okay. First 40,000 fans. That's not even like going cheap and doing out the first 10,000. I mean, that's pretty much everybody who shows up. Yeah, they give out 40,000. That's almost the capacity of the stadium. And and then there's the Orioles, so we'll just be bummed, whatever. They... Well, you know, m- maybe by the next time you and I get together for a podcast, they will have released their list, and then we can make fun of it. That's right. I mean, really, in, in the last two years, they've had a couple cool t-shirt giveaways. Like, last year they did at least kind of add some t-shirt giveaways like the uh the nate mcclough base bandit thing was pretty cool mm-hmm. Russ, Crush davis. davis is pretty cool um of course go back before that you got the um the way in chen shirt with the uh the mm-hmm. taiwanese mm-hmm. characters the pirates give away t-shirt every single friday every friday wow every friday that the pirates are in town you can go there and get a free t-shirt and they're cool, too, like if you look on their site. So, anyway, that's the Orioles for you. The Pirates are One also area giving they away have... a fedora. Kids Andrew McCutcheon NL MVP wristbands. Well, whatever. This is Free Shirt Friday is a thing. That's that's it. Free Shirt Friday. I told you. I'm not, I don't make that up. Oh. Another team is giving away. I can't remember which team it was. Like a hoodie. Wow. <laughs> Just like a team hoodie. And I'm like, what? Who? Where are the Orioles? The Orioles will have their deal of the day be like two dollars off a hoodie in the team store, like one game right. a year. Two dollars off of their seventy-five dollar hoodie. Yeah, but it's the deal of the day. They'll put it on the yeah. jumbotron and everything. I know. Whenever the deal of the day is those Hulk hands, I kind of want to go buy one, but I never do. Because what am I gonna do with it? Yeah. So the Orioles have lame giveaways. This is probably the one thing we dislike about the Orioles right now. There has yes. to be something. One area in which they have not improved over the years. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the statues were cool. Yes. But that was a one-time, been... one-year thing. I guess maybe they'll have a Mike Mussina statue day if the writers ever elect him to the Hall of Fame, which they should because he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. And if he has an Orioles cap, which he might not. But I'll be very mad if he doesn't. But that's another discussion for another day. Indeed. Don't need to get into that right now. So, Stacy, do you have any final thoughts about the Orioles at this moment in time? I think we've covered a whole lot, but... I think I think that I'm good. I just uh, just remember Nick Marquez's arm. Like, go, see it. Go find a picture if you haven't. Like, really, we're, I don't think we're going crazy about that. Maybe it will amount to nothing, but he is definitely looking more buff. Yeah, he is. Than he was, and significantly more so. So that's uh, that's a big boost to the lineup if he's suddenly not putting up a 356 slugging percentage. There's no way he's going to slug that. I mean, I can't even. There's no way. But anyway, yes. Nick is back. You heard it here first. We sure hope. Actually, you probably heard it from Dan O'Hare first, but you heard it from here second. He is, he's hopefully back. And then 
that will make it an interesting choice whether his $17.5 million option for next year will be picked up or not. But that would be a good problem to have if that's any kind of agonizing decision. Mm-hmm. It would be a good good problem for future uh, Orioles fans to worry about. So yeah, that's all we've got for tonight. We will be back before spring training is over, probably more than once. We'll see how things are going along. Maybe once a couple weeks of games worth are over and um, more and more of the actual real Major League players are playing. And it's not like people nobody care about throwing like seven of the nine innings of the game. Because there's a whole lot of those guys. There's always a whole lot of those guys. That's just the nature of spring training. Yep. But I think that it's still fun when it's on TV. Yeah, the first televised so, tune in Saturday. Saturday. And uh, yeah, so Friday will be on WBAL radio. Mm-hmm. I believe. So the regulars will play for, what, an inning or two, yeah. but it'll be fun. Spring training games you can actually listen to online, I believe. Is that correct? I don't think they cut. I don't I don't know. Not 100% sure about that, but I think maybe spring training they don't block those out on the radio station stream. Even if you'll probably get um, pitchers like Nick Additon and Fabio Castillo, it is Orioles baseball, so hey, that's pretty cool. But opening day is a little bit less than five weeks away, and right now I'm pretty excited. I would like for it to get here. Maybe they can kick the crap out of the Red Sox in the first series and uh, go on from there. Yep. So that is all we have for tonight. Thank you for being back and listening to us again. We will be with you next time, whenever that ends up being, but it won't be long. I promise. Solomoth, Podcasters Val, whatever that's worth. (laughs) So that's all we've got for tonight. For Stacey Fulcomer, I am Mark Brown, and we are bringing you Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and we are out.